Hello world, this is Carlton with the Money Monday podcast. In this podcast, we'll go through various tips and strategies that will help you fulfill your financial goals and dreams. Let's go. Hello world, Carlton Edwards here with your Money Monday podcast. This week we have a special guest with us today, author of Secure the Bag, host of Rob Wilson TV, and making numerous appearances on CNN, NBC, CBS, Fox, Tom Joyner, I'm running out of breath. And now on MMP, Mr. Rob Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today. So happy to be here. Rob, you know what? I know you're an extremely busy man, so I'm going to get right to it. You're an advisor to athletes, entertainers, young executives. So tell me, why is a financial plan so important? Well, financial plan is important because you can't really get to any destination that you're trying to get to if you don't have a plan. And so what I see most people doing is just sort of going through life, going through the motions, uh, just, you know, sort of getting along on their everyday life and with, without any direction. And you know, the the GPS in your car is a great tool, but it can't help you get anywhere until you tell it exactly where you want it to go. Then it can help you be efficient tell you the right route, how long it's going to take and all of those sorts of things. So if you really have some goals that you want to achieve, if you want to get to a certain place in life, if there's a certain type of life that you want to live, then you really need to be intentional about thinking through the steps and the process and the things that you're going to need along the way in order to help you get there. And so that's why I'm so adamant that people are intentional about putting together a financial plan. Yeah, it's very important. Um, one of the things I like to tell my clients when you don't have a financial plan is like being at the dog park and you're just kind of running all over the place and you're getting nowhere in a hurry. So the dog runs this way, gets nowhere, runs that way, and it's, there's no direction. So, yeah, the financial plan, like you said, is, is extremely important. Um, when you're putting a financial plan together for your clients, what steps do you take uh, to set up that plan? Yeah, the very first step that I take in putting together a financial plan for my clients is asking them what they want. Again, a lot of people have gotten disconnected from what they truly want out of life. And so when they were six, people told them that they could do anything that they wanted to do, be anything that they wanted to be. But then by the time they were 16, people told them, "Uh, no, maybe you just need to do your homework, get good grades, go to school, get a job and just go along that path. And so they've actually forgotten what it is that they would truly desire out of life. And so any financial plan has to start with your goals or you have no idea what steps you need to put in place. So you got to start with your goals. And by goals, I mean a specific number and a specific time period. Because I ask people what their goals are and a lot of people will say, well, I want to be, I just want to be comfortable. Well, I can't count to comfortable. Mm-hmm. and neither can they. And so you have to put a specific number around it and you have to put a specific date around it. And then on the other side, you have to be very, very honest with yourself about where you stand today. And if you do those two things, then you can always reverse engineer what you need to do between now and then in order to get to the point that you want to be in the future. And so, um, but that, But those two points as a starting basis are absolutely critical. What is a good age to start putting together a financial plan? Honestly, I think as soon as you can start spending money is a good time to start thinking about a financial plan. 
And so the, the thing that I hear all the time from people is that I wish that I would have gotten started on this earlier mm-hmm. um, without fail. Uh, you know, it's something that I hear over and over again. And so I don't think that it's ever really too um, early to start thinking about a plan, what you want out of life, what steps you need to take. Because think about it this way. We ask kids who are 16, 17, and 18 years old to make one of the biggest financial decisions and commitments of their life Mm -hmm. at that age where they're going to take out tens of thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans when they really don't have all of the knowledge and understanding of the implications of what they're doing. And so if we're going to ask them to make that sort of decision, at 16, 17, and 18, then I think um, it can never be too early for them to start getting educated about money and finance. Yeah, uh, very true. So um, when it comes to finances and investing, where's a good place for them to start? So I always suggest that if people want to start getting involved in the market and investing, that they should start with things that they know. Um, You don't want to hear about stocks on TV or in a newspaper at the barbershop and then start throwing your money at it when you really don't understand. But what I would say is start with things that you know, companies that you do business with, spend money at, that sort of thing. So in my book, I generally suggest that people go through their bank statement for the last three months and take a note of the top 20 places that you spend money at over and over again. Of those, I can guarantee you at least 10 of them will be publicly traded companies. So you shop at The Gap, you go to McDonald's, you eat at Olive Garden, you go to the movies at AMC, uh, you you get some things for your home at Home Depot, whatever. Th- there's going to be at least 10 publicly traded companies in there. Use that as your short list of companies that you might want to consider investing in. Now, to be clear, just because you know these companies doesn't mean that they're going to be good investments. Um, we all knew Blockbuster at one point or another in our lives. And, you know, we kind of see how that turned out. So just because you know them doesn't mean that they're going to be a good investment, but it'll be a lot easier for you to do the research because you shop at these stores, you do business, um, you understand their products and services. So start there, whittle that list down to a few that you want to start with, and then open up a brokerage account and get to work. A lot of my clients are actually starting to come to me and they're asking me about stocks and a lot of them like to treat it like it's a Willy Wonka golden ticket. You know, there's um, other forms of investment where some people will actually just trade and hold and other people kind of do like the day trading. Um, in your experience, what could you call the varying methods of uh, trading? So, you know, what I would suggest is that there is a middle ground between the two where, where most people want to play. Um, I don't want people to just go buy things and then ignore it and never pay attention to it. That's not a good investment strategy because this money is important to you and you need to understand what's happening with it. On the other hand, you don't need to be obsessed with it and try to buy something at 11 a.m. and sell it at two. That's that's a sure way to lose money and it's very difficult to be profitable that way over time. So I would say that there's a happy medium where you're not obsessed over it every minute but you're totally not ignoring it either because there are opportunities that present themselves every now and then that you want to take advantage of. So for example, last year when the pandemic broke out and the stock market went down 30% in the space of five weeks, the fastest that that's ever happened, that presented some tremendous 
buying opportunities if you were paying attention in, in the market. But if you were someone who had a 401k and you never open your statements and don't look at it, well, you weren't in a position to take advantage of those opportunities. So somewhere in the middle for most people, I think is a good place to start. Now, Rob, when it comes to trading, there are two different kind of uh, investors. Um, can you pretty much point them out or explain the two different kinds? Yeah, sure. So the two different types of investors that I often encounter are the long-term investor and then the gambler. And so the gambler is someone who wants to get into day trading and penny stocks, and they feel like you know getting into the stock market will give them access to some sort of lottery ticket where they can get rich quick and then go retire on the beach and never have to work again. Um, but you then on the other side of that, you have the investor who is working hard for their money and realizes that they don't want to just have it sitting in a checking account earning 0.001% annually per year, um, but they want to put it to work. They want to grow their wealth over time and they, they realize the value of their money and they don't just want to gamble it away as if they were in Vegas uh, betting at the roulette table. And those are very different mindsets in which you often see is that the gambler goes in and maybe has a little bit of luck in the early going and mistakes that luck for being smart. And then eventually the house always wins and they end up losing their shirt in the market and get very, very jaded about investing. Whereas you have someone else, the, uh, the investor who maybe takes a little bit of a slower pace, but at the end of the day is going to far, far outpace the returns than someone who wants to, you know, treat the uh, investment process as if it's a casino uh, game in uh, Las Vegas or, or Atlantic City. So those are the two types of folks. Uh, but honestly, generally, the, the gambler eventually and hopefully becomes an investor after they take their lumps a little bit with their initial tries at the stock market. COVID-19, you know, that was a massive, unexpected event that happened that affected millions of people across the world, emotionally, physically, mentally, and financially. How can we plan for unexpected events? Yeah, I think we all have seen the need for an emergency fund now. So, you know, you've heard financial advisors and planners and gurus always talk about the emergency fund and and, and people sort of thought it, it was this thing that they needed, but, you know, was we were maybe being a little bit too stringent upon them. Well, you know, we saw that um, sort of like the Snickers commercial, life can come at you fast. And so um, we don't know what the next thing is going to be and when that is going to happen. But we what we do know for sure is that there will be a next thing. There will be some sort of disruption that comes around. Um, and so you it's incumbent upon you. Uh, if you really care about protecting yourself and your family to be ready for when the next thing comes, you know, when I used to play baseball, the coach would say, you have to be prepared on every single play as if the ball is going to be hit to you, because if you don't, you're going to lose focus and you're going to get hit in the head with the ball. So you have to be ready uh, as if the ball is going to be hit to you because it will at some point. So you have to get that emergency fund ready. You have to diversify your income sources um, let what we dealt with in 2020 be a lesson and don't get caught off guard the next time. And uh, when it comes to the emergency fund itself, um, is there like a time frame, like a min or max that you'd like your clients to save or that you'd like to actually them to have a target for or aim towards? Like, 
what is a good amount of money to have an emergency fund in terms of covering a certain period of time? I think six months of your your monthly expenses is a good number. I mean, even if you if you think about the pandemic, for most people, if they had six months saved, even if they lost their job um, at the outset of the pandemic, they were probably able to figure something out um, within those six months. I, I know there's still some people that are struggling. Uh, people continue to file for unemployment. But I would say on the average for most people, if you have six months of your expenses saved up, um, if there's a shock, you should be able to figure out some you know, way out of it within six months. On, on the long end, I would say have a year saved of your expenses. Above and beyond that, um, those funds probably aren't really helping you very much. And then you want to think about how you can get the remainder of that cash invested, but somewhere between six months to a year, I think is a good benchmark to shoot for. Now that most of people have actually depleted their emergency funds, how does one build that back? Yeah. If you want to build back up your emergency fund, I think you got to hustle. Um, the fortunate thing is I think that there's never been a better time in the history of the planet um, to take control over, over your own financial well-being especially by starting some sort of hustle on the side. So in the pandemic, uh, things were accelerated to the point where now the entire planet is used to working and, and more accepting of working remotely. As a matter of fact, a lot of companies have created jobs specifically where they require or want people to work remotely. So if you're looking for a way to make some extra money, uh, it's never been easier to sit in your bedroom or home office or at the dining room table and uh, work a job where you can bring in some extra money and start to stuff that back into your emergency fund. So what I would say is look around for these jobs where you can work on a flexible schedule, largely from home, and use that uh, extra income to bolster your savings and get that emergency fund back to a level where you feel, feel comfortable. What are two or three tips that you'd like to tell our listeners, you know, when it comes to finances and financial literacy? Yeah, the first thing that I'd say is that you really have to work on your mindset. And a lot of that is being intentional. And one of the things I say in the book is that, you know, if you're not intentionally trying to get wealthy, you'll likely end up accidentally poor. Mm. You know, you didn't mean to get that way, but you also didn't intentionally do the other things that were going to help you avoid that. And, and to put it in some perspective, I mean, you could change the words and say, if you're not intentionally trying to be healthy, you'll likely end up accidentally sick. Um, no one, no one means to go out and get sick, but you know, if you didn't eat healthy, um, exercise, get sleep, go to the doctor, get your blood work done, then you may accidentally end up and end up in a situation, you know, that you didn't want to be in. And so I, I think the first thing that you have to think about is, is being intentional and putting that plan together. Um, the next thing that I would say is that you have to treat your time, um, as a, the precious resource that it is the same way that you would treat your money. A lot of times I see people that are so consumed and busy doing things that keep them broke that they can't actually do the things that would make them wealthy. Yeah. And, you know, we've all seen these folks. I mean, they're, you know, you ask them what they're doing. Hey, I'm out here. I'm hustling. I'm running around. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You see them a, a year later and they're still running around and hustling and doing this and doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't, you know, really improved their station in life. 
Um, and that's because that they're not really managing their time in such a way that it's going to help them get to the next level. And so what I advise for most people to do is to uh, budget their time and, and create a schedule called My Ideal Week. You have to put the important things into your week before anybody else or anything else can take up that time. If you say that you want to write a book, then there better be time on your schedule to actually sit down and spend some time writing the book. Um, if you want to work on your business, you better separate that time out. Um, it's not just going to happen automatically. And if furthermore, if you're not serious and intentional about set aside the time, if you only do it when you feel like you're quote unquote inspired, well, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's probably not going to happen that way either. So professionals schedule time and they do it whether they feel like it or not. That's, that's how you push yourself to become better and, and ultimately uh, be compensated for that. So um, the second thing that I would say was treat your time as, as a valuable resource and budget your time and put the important things in first. And the last thing that I would say is one thing that people often overlook is doing their estate planning and getting their documents together and making sure that they're properly insured. And I, I know that people will say that they really care for their family and they want to make sure that they're protected. But what I would suggest is, is if you haven't taken care of your affairs, then, you know, your care and your love for your family is somewhat incomplete. And a lot of people are talking about generational wealth today. That's a good buzzword that people like to throw out there. But mm -hmm. they wonder why we have a problem creating and passing along generational wealth. And a big part of that is because we don't take care of our own affairs when we have the ability to. So um, make sure that you have a will, power of attorney, uh, living living will, healthcare, power of attorney. And if your estate is a little bit more complicated, think about putting a trust in place and also make sure that you have adequate life insurance. So if something happens to you, um, your family can take care of those expenses. Um, and if people really take those three tips to heart, although there are many more, but if they take those three tips to heart, um, I think they'll be well on their way to creating the sort of financial life that they desire. Speaking about those tips, uh, your book, Secure the Bag, how do we get a hold of it? Sure. Uh, so my book, Secure the Bag, is really a culmination of the advice that I've learned and, and taught other people throughout my 15 years so far in the financial industry. And folks can find the book at my website, securethebag.me, or they can find it very easily on Amazon. And how can our listeners catch up with you and all your great content? Sure. L would love to connect with all of your listeners. Uh, I'm at Rob Wilson TV everywhere on social. Um, I've just started getting more aggressive on Instagram. So that's probably the best place uh, to reach me. But, uh, you know, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, I'm at Rob Wilson TV on all those platforms. And um, folks, if they have a question, can email me directly, Rob at robwilson.tv. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob. I truly appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Rob, join us from Philadelphia. Another strong episode of the Money Monday podcast. And um, today we got a huge nugget, a huge great piece of advice from Rob Wilson. He said, I see people so consumed 
and busy doing things that keep them broke that they can't actually do the things that will make them wealthy. And that's a huge, huge, huge nugget there. You know, what is it that you guys are doing? What is your financial plan? Do you have a direction? Do you have goals? Did you write them out? Or are you on that carousel where you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over and over and things just don't change? You know what? Write me a line. Drop me a line. Hey, you know what? Email me a question. Just, you know what? I'd love to hear what you think. Thanks so much for joining me this week. And we'll see you next week on the Money Monday podcast. Thank you.